This episode of Lead to Win is brought to you by The Vision Driven Leader, Michael's new book on why vision matters, especially in times of crisis, and how you can create one that's compelling, clear, practical, and inspiring. Pre-order your copy today at visiondrivenleader.com. Hi, I'm Megan Hyatt-Miller. And I'm Larry Wilson. And this is Lead to Win, our weekly podcast to help you win at work and succeed at life. And today we're talking about a problem that many of you are facing for the first time, how to balance family life and, and remote work. This coronavirus has really upended things for a lot of people. I know so many businesses are sending all or part of their workforce to work from home, and a lot of people are dealing with this for the very first time. But here at Michael Hyatt Company, we've got a little special expertise in this area, don't we? We do. You know, we started as a 100% remote work company, and we've been using kind of like a hybrid approach of in-person and remote work for the last two years. But we have a common workspace, but that's been shut down now. And so um, while we've been working remotely sometimes, now we are working with the rest of you 100% of the time remotely. And uh, those of us with kids are working 100% remotely 100% of the time with our kids. So, you know, you can't see my face, but I'm trying to pull my hair out right now. <laughs> yeah, and I I can see your face uh, on video because we're recording remotely. That's right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this is a problem for a lot of people. So we're bringing in a few of our team members to talk this through and help give you guys some help on finding the balance between home life and remote work. And these are going to be a couple of familiar voices to anybody who listens to our other podcast, which is Focus on This. And we are joined today by Courtney Baker and Blake Stratton. Woohoo! Hey, guys. Hey, thanks for having us, Megan. It's so fun. Blake, what's up, man? What is up? I put on a blazer for this, Megan. I know. You're so fancy. The rest I'm of us I'm here. Are I was like, wow, so... lead to win. I need to, gosh, these are professionals. Before you start bragging about your blazer, maybe we should point out the other obvious thing that people can't see, which is that you're calling from your closet. I am. <laughs> uh, it's very professional podcasting remotely environment. Um, I'm currently between a sweater and an Oxford, and I just happened to pull down this blazer because it felt right. And yeah, a really convenient, conducive space uh, for, <laughs> for podcasting from home. Okay, we're talking about how to balance work life and home life when you work from home. So you guys all have had experience with this prior to the coronavirus situation. You've all done this before. Here's my question. Is it harder for you now than it was, say, two years ago? <laughs> Is that a joke question? <laughs> hey, I... I'm an empty nester. My kids are grown. I, yeah, I, Larry. it's pretty much the same for me. Yeah, it's not the same for the rest of us. I used to work from home on Wednesdays and Fridays mainly. Wednesdays is our no meeting day at Michael Hyde and Company. So that was a good day to kind of do deep work at home. And then often on Fridays, um, I'm doing more project work. So I typically am working from home. However, that's with a babysitter and no kids at home because the other older kids are at school. So uh, this is, to say the least, a little different. What about you, Courtney and Blake? Yeah, for me, uh, when I started at Michael Hyatt and Company, I was so excited because I had never worked anywhere that allowed you to work from home. 
So I was like, this is an amazing benefit. Like, I'm so glad I'm going to work from home all the time. And then I like tried it out and my extroverted self was like, no, I do not like this working from home. Um, And although I do it occasionally when I need to do big projects, I generally still like to go into our office, like the hybrid system that we talked about earlier. So just even the mental game of I am here and I am staying here and like tomorrow I can't go to the office either um, definitely makes it harder for me. It was honestly pretty sweet the first few days. I'm not going to lie. I'm an introvert and I did not change out of my sweatpants and I was like, who cares? No one knows. And I got to talk to my wife and it was great. And uh, I really just got to be a hermit. And then a few days in, and as well as the severity of just things happening in our world on top of that, boy, did I get some cabin fever. So (laughs) it definitely has been challenging. Well, I think the people listening probably feel our pain. They're in the same boat that we are. And that's why we want to give people some insight on how to do this. Because you really can balance uh, your family life and remote work. It may be somewhat imperfect right now, but it can be done. And so today we're going to share with you some steps to get you started. Also, I wanted to tell you that we put together a free resource to help you with this that I'd like to give to all of you listening today. It's called the Remote Work Handbook Do's and Don'ts to Set You Up for Success. You can download that right now at lead2.win slash remote. So we're saying today that you can balance home life and remote work, even with kids at home and all the rest. And we've got six steps for you. Step number one is this, communicate and cooperate. Yeah, Larry, I think this is a really important one because um, if you haven't worked at home before or maybe you haven't worked at home simultaneously with all the responsibilities of kids and your spouse working at home too, um, if you just kind of put your head down and try to get your work done without coordinating, it can be a disaster. So I think this is really important to coordinate with your spouse and also with your kids. But Blake and Courtney, I'd love to hear some of the ways that you guys are doing this effectively. We've installed a lot recently. so. One of the things that we're doing is an extended uh, weekly preview because things are changing pretty quickly and a lot of great things have come out of that. One thing that I started doing was just divvying up responsibilities and just clarifying, hey, this is how our normal rhythm used to look like. And so we didn't have to be so particular with certain things, but can we just talk about this? We have one baby girl. She's almost one year old. And Elena, my wife, naturally is kind of the chief baby officer of of our house. Like all of those things, those questions, she just thinks more about it. She has deeper understanding. And one of the things that sort of was in flux was just the household administration. And now it's kind of in both of our faces. And so I said, hey, as this came out of a weekly preview time, I said, why don't I just take on, I guess, chief admin? For, for the time being here while we're in this mode. And I literally will make a little document, almost like I'm her EA, uh, for the night before that sort of gives her, hey, here's the plan tomorrow. Here's sort of what we've got in the fridge for meals for us, uh, for Felicity, our daughter. Here's what my day is going to look like. Here's where I'm going to be on calls. And it's going to be important to not be interrupted, those types of things, so that she can have clarity and vision into the next day. 
It's really good. Courtney, what about you? Well, I mean, I think obviously communication and cooperation are key all the time. It's just now it's like in a vacuum. It's like it just Mm -hmm. amped it up like several levels of communication and cooperation. And for Chase and I, uh, my husband, you know, it's basically making sure at the end of each day that we've got clear ends for our day. Um, So one of the ways we're doing that is we're going on a family walk at five o'clock each day. Um, You know, work is very different right now. And so there may be maybe times that we've got to come back to work, which is not something we normally try to do. Um, but still to have those clear times where it's like, we are going to designate this time as family time. Um, and that's a great place for us to kind of reconnect and kind of set the next set of priorities for the next day. Um, but again, it's like the things that have worked well for you previously, you know, in your communication and cooperation, do those things, just like amplify them to the mm-hmm. next time. You most likely need it. I think that's really good. Um, Joel and I have been in the morning, you know, normally we have kind of our morning ritual, which has been somewhat truncated during this process, but um, we do a quiet time individually, you know, very short, and then we'll do our kind of daily page in the full focus planner. And as we come up with our daily big three and we go through the schedule, I mean, it's really changing on a day-to-day basis. Normally, you know, we'd look ahead for the week and it would not change very much during the week. It's not the case right now. And so we're figuring out, okay, so during that webinar, during that podcast recording, you know, can you be on with the kids or you've got to have that call with your team or you've got to finish that project, you know, that, um, you know, free resources that we're creating or whatever. And we're just trading off, you know, and okay, can you start dinner? Cause I'm going to be on that call. And so there's just a lot of like hand to hand combat that we're having to do kind of together. And so talking often and then having that time first thing in the morning seems to be really helpful. I mean, if I was frank, my husband probably was wishing that I would talk less because so far in this scenario, <laughs> I've heard several times that I'm talking too loud in this house. So. <laughs> <laughs> that may have been a topic in our house, too, of conversation. I'm curious uh, for each of you three, what did you what would you say has been the biggest challenge point of communicating and cooperating? Is it childcare? Is it meals? Is it sharing space together? What, what's what been the biggest point that you really had to work together on? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, all of it, because none of it is happening like it normally would. So I feel like everything feels more cumbersome, like every single thing you have to talk about, because the way that you used to do it just doesn't apply. You know, it's not, you're not going to the store or picking up dinner in the way that you normally would. You're not doing the normal things with your kids that you normally would. Um, You're not working in the way that you normally would. And all of it's so dynamic and changing on almost a daily basis um, that it's just, I, I think just how volatile it is and then also how cumbersome everything is to me, it makes the, the communication and cooperation more challenging. For me, I actually think that what's made it more complicated for us, I mean, Megan, I was just going to say earlier, I, I hope that you're, I hope that Joel is uh, part of his rituals cataloging everything because you guys will have to write a book about this season. <laughs> I mean, I just like, I mean, you have from Naomi to your Felicity, like kids in different stages, all at home, both of you in an executive level position. I'm like, what in the world? Please write that book. I'll buy it. it. I'll pre-order it. Um, <laughs> 
we'll drop Courtney, will you drop the link in the show notes for that book coming out in twenty twenty two? I'll get it to you in like two years. <laughs> um but for us, part of what's made it so challenging is actually this sort of unseen emotional component to all this. That's a really good uh, point. I'm kind of a I'm you know, I'm a kind of an emo kid at heart anyway, but my wife and I are actually both, I know we've talked about the Enneagram before, but we're both Enneagram fours. And so we're really feeling all of this. And part of what makes the coordination or talking logistics tough is for me, at least I can catch myself having an edge. (laughs) Elena will be like, why are you yelling that to me though? (laughs) And I'm like, because everything is crazy, you know? Um, So that's, that's been part of the challenge. You literally stole the word, words out of my mouth. I mean, I think for us, logistically, a lot of the things are still in place for us. Like we still have childcare in our home during the day. We've had some more some issues with spacing, and Chase is now kicked out of the office. He's in working from our bedroom now. But you know, a lot of that stuff we've been able to handle. I think for us, it's like forgetting in the midst of all these things to communicate how we're feeling. Um, to take a moment to say oh gosh, this is hard. Or like, this is why I'm responding that way. Um, just because everything logistically feels like, you know, you're just trying to figure it all out um, to stop and give the space for that. Uh, it's funny, all three of us, everybody on this podcast right now, except Larry has at least a four wing. Um, and so, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, for me, I've got to find space to be able to like actually check in and, and communicate mm-hmm. how I'm feeling about everything that's happening. So what I hear you guys saying is that it's not just communicate and cooperate, but there really is that deeper level connection that you have to work a little bit to maintain during a time like this. Yeah, I think that's really true, Larry. I think um, connection is simultaneously more important right now than ever because of what Blake and Courtney have said, because the emotions are so high. All of us have fear right now. We have anxiety. We have um, a lot more demands on us, all those things, you know, so we, we need more connection. And yet because of those emotions, we're edgier. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I've had to say, I'm sorry to my kids and Joel roughly 10 times a day more than normal. You know, I mean, I, I think I'm pretty good about saying I'm sorry normally because I don't have any of being perfect. But I mean, I'm, I'm needing to do that more often. So I think connection is really important. Both you need more of it and you got to fix it. Well, step one in balancing work life and home life when they occur in the same building is to communicate and cooperate. And we would add to that and connect, communicate, cooperate and connect. That brings us to step two, which is structure the day for your kids as well as yourself. Those of you, of course, who have children at home. Yeah, this is critical. Um, I think, speaking for myself, I thought in the first couple of days of everybody being home, school canceled, everyone would just love being home and they would figure out what to do. And it would just be some kind of like homeschool utopia And that lasted for about 12 hours. So um, then I realized I was going to need a plan. And so I think, you know, Courtney and Blake, you guys have probably figured this out too, that um, your kids need structure as much as you do. So what are you doing to bring that into your homes right now? Yeah, I mean, we're basically doing the same thing that we're doing for ourselves. I mean, we have basically set a schedule for our daughter. You know, there's a plan for what she's going to do each day. You know, it may be, you know, we're going to do... 30 minutes of craft time, 30 minutes of uh, reading, you know, 30 minutes of, 
you know, yada, 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 all the things. You know, one thing interesting that we've done with her schedule and with our schedule is each day we're trying to come up with something that we can do for other people. And I think in this current environment, at least for me, it gets easy to forget about other people because, you know, you're seeing the same, you know, your immediate family unit basically all day long. So each day we're coming up with a way that we can do something for someone else. And that's been a really fun activity and something we're all, you know, looking forward to for the next day. It's been really helpful so far. I love that, Courtney, especially because right now, um, you know, it's it's hard. It feels hard to help other people. We're not really seeing people that much. Or we feel like we can't physically go to people in the way that we maybe normally would think of helping people. So you really do have to be creative and intentional if you want to have that kind of impact on people. Blake, what about you? What are you guys doing for your, your daughter, Felicity? Yeah, honestly, I feel like I've got it. You know, I'm, I've got it really easy compared to you two. My daughter isn't walking around yet. And when she talks, I just pretend that it's always something really nice and complimentary because it's mostly like, <laughs> yeah, do. So we do have it easier in terms of structuring around her nap schedule. But as I alluded to earlier, I've started to have to dig in more to what does the daily schedule on the interior part of the day look like for us. And so I've tried to map that out in detail for my wife and I to go, okay, when are we going to connect today? When are we going to, you know, what are we going to be eating? Who's going to own that? So that logistically the, the wheels are greased enough so Mm -hmm. that we can, as we talked about earlier, have hopefully less of those tense moments. I think one way, if you're, if you haven't set this for your kids yet, one way that you could do this is actually use our free download for the ideal week. And I know as soon as I say ideal week, everybody listening is like, blah, yeah, nothing feels ideal right now. Um, but the structure of that, you could kind of lay out the schedule for a week for what it might look like for your kids. So it's kind of using a tool. If you use a full focus planner, you already know that tool. And so it's something that you could actually apply and use for your kids too. And Larry, do you know where they can download that? I sure do. They can get it right off of today's show notes, which will be at lead two. We'll have a link to that resource. That's great. Well, in our house, you know, we've got five kids, 19, just about 19, uh, 16, 11, nine and 11 months. And, um, I kind of panicked a couple of days into this because one of you guys said it earlier, but we do have kids in a lot of different seasons who are not used to being home all day, every day together. I mean, the older kids are normally going to work. We, because two of our kids are immunocompromised, we have decided to totally isolate ourselves um, to protect them. And so we don't have, uh, you know, the kind of normal help we have on the cleaning front or, um, you know, just at the house. We don't have babysitting except when my mom is available because she's kind of in a a closed loop as well that um, we feel okay about. Um, We don't have friends coming over. You know, it's just... the normal things that would make it easier for the kids to be home, like in the summer, for example, are just not on the table. So um, I figured out pretty quickly, I needed to make a schedule and I literally did it, Courtney, like what you're talking about uh, with the ideal week. I just, I made a, a schedule for the kids that was in one hour increments, mostly for the middle two that are 11 and nine, the older two, it's a little easier um, just so that they, they have like a really clear sense of what they're switching between all day long. And they're not at loose ends trying to figure out what to do. I also upped our chore charts. You know, I, we, we always have had our kids doing chores, but at this point, 
because we have less support than we normally do, they're doing the stuff that, um, you know, like our cleaning team would normally do. And so we had to really get that squared away and just put the structure in place because I think when everybody's at loose ends, plus there's anxiety, it's just not a recipe for success. So I think this is where structure is your friend. The Ideal Week tool is a great planning tool. You can get your kids involved with that. Um, There's tons of stuff online too right now just to give you ideas as well. So step number one for balancing home life and remote work, communicate and cooperate. Step number two, structure the day for your kids as well as yourself. Let's move to step number three, find your quiet space. (laughs) We're not talking about like your happy place, which may also be important right now. Uh, That makes it be more important. We're, We're really talking about physically a place that you can work that's quiet. So Blake, for example, is on calls during the day. Courtney has a big team that she's leading at Michael Hyatt and Company. I'm often, it seems these days, recording podcasts or some other kind of training. And so the quiet part is really important, but most of us have not set up our homes to be conducive to two working parents at home full time, plus the kids being home, right? So how are you guys figuring this out, Courtney and Blake, um, you know, with no real warning or ability to plan for it? Well, my husband would say, um, we're, you know, as far as quiet, if I wouldn't talk so much that it might be a little bit <laughs> <laughs> um, Uh, And, you know, one thing that we are going, we are actually trying today is actually using some of our noise machines, our white noise machines that we have in our bedrooms um, as just a way to kind of buffer the sound between where I am and where he is and where our daughter is. Um, And I don't know, for a lot of people listening, you know, my house is not huge. um, So we've got to get really creative about kind of where we're stationing where we are during the day and trying to do it in places where we could say, Hey, Kit, our daughter, uh, you know, mommy's going to work and it's, you know, in a place that really can be separated, even if that has to be a closet or thankfully somehow I won the office in our house. So I'm not sure how, but somehow, yeah, (laughs) of course, yeah. So, everybody listening, I'll tell you exactly how I want it. I just talked really loud on my calls now on my meetings. And my husband was like, I can't work in here with you. I can't do this. That's a great strategy. Hey, okay. Speaking of noisemakers, I have to tell you a confession. I'm looking out the glass door right now of my home office, and I have not one, not two, but three noisemakers outside of my door because it is not soundproof in here and it's working pretty well. So the, the favorite ones for me are called Dome, D-O-H-M, noisemakers. These are the ones that are, um, you can get them on Amazon. I mean, they may not be available anymore. I don't know. I haven't bought one in a long time, but uh, these are often used by therapists. I think the frequency of the noise really helps to cover up other noise. So pro tip, get those. We'll link to it in the show notes. And I will add to that, um, we have two of that exact brand in our house, but we also have the travel version. Yes, the travel version's great. Yes, it gets even louder than the uh, <laughs> senior version, which is like opposite of what you would think. But I mean, it is super loud. So if you need to block out toddlers, it's it's a winner. Well, yeah. I have I have for once something to contribute on this. Okay, subject, tell us. Which is that uh, I use Bose noise reduction headphones which are a little on the pricey side, but they're worth every penny. I live on a busy street. 
uh, right across the street from the town park, which is always busy, especially in the summertime. So it's not for noise in the house, but just noise in the neighborhood. And they absolutely shut it out and helped me to focus. So uh, Bose noise reduction headphones. We'll link to those in the show notes as well, I'm sure. I would like to know how you, Megan and, and Courtney and Blake too, but how you signal to everybody at your house that I'm in do not disturb mode. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm laughing. And you have some hand signals, right? Yeah. Uh, no. Yeah. We don't want to talk. We're not going to talk about those because this is a family show. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. So right now I have a post-it note that says recording, do not come in taped to my door. Um, but yesterday we were uh, doing several recordings or actually it wasn't yesterday. It was earlier this morning. It feels like yesterday. And my kids kept coming up to ask me stuff. We, they actually did come in the other day. We had a, a team meeting and they came in several times, 40 people on a call and they came in and asked me, you know, if they could watch TV and they were fighting over which show on Disney plus they were going to watch anyway. Now they know they can't interrupt me. So now what they're doing is they're bringing handwritten signs and looking pitiful and holding them up to the glass door and trying to get me to, you know, let them basically watch TV. That's really all they care about is watching more TV. Um, so I would say that we haven't totally figured that out except for the, the threats prior to, you know, my recordings, like, you know, don't come in or, you know, you're not going to get to watch TV for the rest of the day. So if you have any amazing tips on signaling to your kids and getting them to honor it, please write me and let me know because I need I need those tips. That's all I got so far. I think, Megan, you came up with a good one right there, which was to put uh, put up a sign, even yeah. a post-it note, right. uh, just something that says, I'm very busy right now. In all seriousness, I really do talk to my kids before I've got to do something. After the incident where they came in three times to the meeting the other day, I thought I'd really need to sit them down and explain what I'm doing before I go into it because I don't want to have to explain it during a recording or during a meeting I'm leading. I actually um, am using a red piece of construction paper. You know, it's like red for stop. My daughter's three, so she can't read. So that's the tool we're using. But actually, I'm not having that much. I mean, my daughter is doing great. I'm actually having more trouble with my spouse or my mom (laughs) coming in and asking questions. My three-year-old is doing awesome. So um, maybe I should add some words for them. Um, I love them too, really. But yeah, it's it's challenging for sure. One kind of weird thing that I do, I find that signaling that I'm in work mode to my spouse is important, but maybe even more important is signaling to my own brain that I'm going into work mode because otherwise I get super distracted with a million different things because I'm not in my typical environment. So a weird thing that I started to do is I took back this part of my ritual that I didn't even know was part of my ritual that I relied on, which is walking to my office. Now, Megan, don't get mad. I'm not going into our office. (laughs) But did you get I, that memo? <laughs> <laughs> I did. But I realized I live walking distance from our co-working space. And I got so used to that being this mental transition for me from work to home or from home to work that I've started to do that. So I go for a walk when I'm like, all right, I'm gonna go to work. I literally will walk towards our office, then I'll just turn right back around and walk back. Oh, and I noticed that mentally it just sort of resets my head. I've I don't listen to the news. I listen to typically something on my way to work that helps me get in work mode. And when I come back to work, I feel like, all right, now I can kind of re-engage in a new area of focus, which is work. That's a great tactic. That really rolls into your workday startup ritual. Yeah. 
Exactly. Yeah. I didn't know that it was part of my workday startup ritual. You know, like I didn't write it down on my planner. And then I realized, why am I, why can't I focus on anything? I think it's just because a second earlier, I was just scrolling on Instagram or something like that, or using my phone for something else. And then, all right, workday startup, but I'm not going anywhere. And so mentally, I, I needed those signals that that physical movement really helped. So step one for balancing home life and remote work, communicate and cooperate. Step two, structure the day for your children as well as yourself. Step three, find your quiet space. That is your quiet space to work. And step four, step away from work at the end of the day. Now, I'm going to guess, Megan, this is harder, again, than it used to be. I think it's harder for a couple reasons. First of all, if you're not used to working at home, you know, you don't, as Blake just was saying, you don't have that time where you're um, literally physically going to work, you're driving to work and then you're leaving. So there's no clear uh, ritual or um, physical practice that you're doing to um, mark the transition. The other thing that's happening for many of us is that the nature of our business is necessitating pivots and shifts and innovation and decision-making under extremely stressful conditions, all of which cause us to feel like we need to work around the clock. You know, that we wake up, we read the news, we start working from immediately because we know we're not going to into the office and we think we'll just check in and then you get sucked in and you're still in your pajamas at 10 a.m. and, you know, finally go take a shower or whatever. And then if you remember to eat at all, you know, it's so easy to go back and start working again as, as soon as you finish dinner. And if you're not careful, and I actually did this for a few days in a row, you work 12 hours or more in a day. And that is so not my normal. Um, but you can just kind of get sucked into that adrenaline rush and, and not in a good way. I mean, some people like adrenaline. I think right now it's not a good thing. This is, this is like an adrenaline rush where you just, you just feel the anxiety and you just don't stop. You know, you get out of bed and you start and you don't stop till you go to bed. The problem with that is, in order to make good decisions right now, in order to lead effectively in whatever capacity your role requires, you really need to be rested. You really need to stay connected with your family. Your body needs to move and get out of the office, even if it's just your home office, um, all of which are really challenging. So um, over the last few days, kind of in, in this period of quarantine over the last few days, um, Joel and I have just, you know, really been intentional about stopping at a certain point, getting like Courtney said earlier um, in this episode, getting outside and taking a walk, I think is a great way to transition, just coming up with a new workday shutdown ritual, even if there may be times when you do have to work in the evenings, uh, maybe either because you're doing extra projects with work or your kids are home and you can't work in the middle of the day. I think that's okay. But I think being conscious about it is really, really important. You know, when are you going to be done? Like for me, setting an intention around what time I'm going to go to bed was critical because for a few nights there, I was going to bed at 11 or 1130. And I mean, I'm like a nine o'clock and I turn into a pumpkin kind of person. So just remembering some of those rhythms that we just can't continue to exist in adrenaline land forever. You can't sprint a marathon. Let me ask you this, uh, Blake, do you also go for a walk to end your day? Actually, yeah, I I do not necessarily walk towards the office because then I'm like, wait, no, this is wrong. Um, but I do try to get outside in this, you know, time of the year, you know, it's a lot of rain and that sort of thing, but we do try to do that to, to exit, to, to move, to do something. You know, I found that 
my workday shutdown ritual is key in terms of just doing the ritual. So for me, just to be honest, it it hasn't had the consistency from a time perspective as I felt like it did when I was going to the office and we had kind of more consistency just in terms of our team flow and things like that. Like we're a nimble company and so we're doing some new and exciting things. But the workday shutdown ritual for me, it almost kind of whenever it occurs, it always does the trick for me. It's kind of that mm-hmm. recipe that I can come back to. Where it's like, ah, it's like coming back to your mom's home cooking. It's like, it's that same, you, you know, that same recipe produces the same uh, sensation emotionally and physically for me, mentally uh, to exit the day and sort of not carry anything from work into the mental state of being home. So a helpful thing for me is actually using an app to move me through my shutdown ritual. So I have my workday shutdown ritual written down and that's helpful. But in this season and being at home where there's some distractions, I actually pull out this app and it moves me through my shutdown ritual, which is helpful right now because I kind of need that ex- external, all right, it's time to move to the next thing into the next thing. And by the end of it, I feel way more at peace. So what app are you using? It's an app called Morning Routine. Hmm. I, I use it actually for all my routines are stored in there. I won't always rely on those to, to move through it. But uh, particularly for the workday shutdown ritual, it's very helpful because especially if I, if I feel any anxiety or my brain is kind of fried towards the end of the day, there are some critical habits with the role that I function in uh, at Michael Hyatt and company that I don't want to slip through the cracks. And so having that pushing me through, dinging, you know, I can set the time frame that something will typically be, but you know, I, I move through that. Uh, but I'd, I'd recommend that app. I, I love you. I've used it for years. Morning routine. It's great. Courtney, how do you disconnect at the end of the day while at home? Yeah. Right now, what we are doing is we're doing a family walk at five o'clock. And what's really great is we have a almost four-year-old to keep us accountable so she is there for reminding us uh, when it's getting close to time. And Megan, I think I shared this with you earlier this week at one of our executive team meetings um, because I've had a season this last week or so where things have just been very abnormal. I mean, frankly, we're all stressed. Even if you don't feel like you're stressed, just this transition, it is stress um, on all of us. And I personally have not, you know, my work has looked very different. I've had, you know, I've worked on nights and weekends, something I don't do regularly. And the result of that, because it's not something I do normally, I can tell a huge difference in my mental clarity, you know, my, my ability to make confident, clear decisions, you know, late at night, I'm like, Ooh, this is a big difference in what I normally am operating with. Uh, So just to reinforce how critical it is to try to even for my, I'm talking to myself right now, you know, to reinstate um, a really strong workday shutdown is so critical. I think that's really smart, Courtney. You know, I think that um, it's normal at the beginning of a crisis like this to be in crisis mode, you know, all hands on deck. Um, you're working all hours. It's it's just crazy. You're trying to figure out what to do with your kids. I mean, it just feels like everything is helter skelter. I think the transition that we all have to make is into over time, a new normal, even if that's evolving, you know, on a daily or weekly basis, but a new normal where we, we start to find some equilibrium again and where we're, f- we're able to find balance. And I think that at least for 
me, I feel like even the last 24 hours, I've made a transition toward that. It's not where I want it to be, but it's, it's moving back to a place of equilibrium after feeling really kind of turned upside down for a little while. So step four, step away from work at the end of the day. And now step five, give yourself and your family some grace. Man, this might be the hardest step, Larry. I mean, I wish it wasn't. I wish that the other ones were the hard ones because they required, you know, air quotes, work. This one is hard because um, the stakes are really high right now. You know, we've got our families home. Um, we're trying to take care of our business and the people that we're responsible for in whatever capacity um, that looks like for you, especially if you're a leader. And um, all that pressure and stress combined with all the transition, combined with all the anxiety of the volatility, the market, this virus, everything else. Like I said earlier, I mean, I'm apologizing a lot more than normal. And it's really easy for me to go to a place where I'm hard on myself, where I'm hard on my kids. I was hard on my dog the other day. I mean, guys, this is so embarrassing. My dog is like super intuitive. I have a big standard size Labradoodle and he seems like five times bigger right now because he's following me around like Velcro to my leg. Um, I think he's anxious maybe because I'm anxious. I don't know. Whatever's going on, whoever's feeding off of who. But I just got so mad at him and I yelled at him the other day and I was like, oh my gosh, I never yell. Like what is going on? And then I just thought like, okay, I need to take a deep breath and just be kind to myself and be kind to my kids when they're fighting with each other, you know? So have you guys experienced that too, Courtney and Blake? Well, I was just thinking about this. I think a sneaky advantage for leaders taking this step is for me, at least this is the hard one because I'm like, no, I need to be great and this needs to be great. And I don't want to lose. And, you know, I want to, I sound like Courtney right now in any game three or something, but like, I want to achieve, right. But in a time like this, there is this sneaky thing about grace, which is, I think it is actually a very powerful stance to, to so true. stand in, right? To say, actually, I, I see what we lost here, or I see what went wrong, or I see where we fell short, and yet I can ex- I have grace to give. You know, it's almost this place of abundance to sort of live from that and to Mm -hmm. sort of think of, I guess, maybe even for my, or for the listener, if you're kind of a higher, high achieving type of person to think about, well, how is giving myself grace still winning? I think it does actually put you in this place of being powerful again, because there's a lot that you can't control right now, but you can control whether or not you are going to be kind of the harsh on on yourself on your family or you can control hey can i do i have grace to give to extend to myself and others it's really good okay so i have to tell you another story i was this has happened earlier this week my sisters and i were just talking and we were kind of all you know like rah, rah, encouraging each other. Don't be afraid. Don't be anxious. Don't, you know, let's not share anything that would make anybody feel anxious. They were kind of, you know, saying that and, um, and they were, you know, sharing different things that people had shared on Instagram, just about, you know, combating anxiety. Just like basically the goal was to not feel anxious. The goal was to not be moved by the news. The goal was to be just sort of unflappable. 
And at some point I just said, what, what if that's like not the goal? What, what if it's, what if, what if there's just no goal period? That's not even the right way to think of it. What if we can just be gracious to ourselves that we do feel afraid, like, and we can just move on, you know, like it's much easier when to, when you stop fighting something for it to kind of dissipate and move on than when you're constantly, not only do you feel anxious, but then you feel shame for feeling anxious. <laughs> you know, that's much harder to combat than if you just say, okay, so I felt, you know, pretty anxious this morning. I don't need to beat myself up for it. Now I'm feeling better. I took a walk or I took a bath or, you know, I did some deep breathing and, you know, I'm feeling a little better, but that's just like being a human, you know? So how can you give yourself some grace for being a human right now? Cause as humans, pretty much none of us have ever been some through something like this. And of course we're going to feel snappy, maybe even at our dog. Of course we're going to feel, you know, stressed out at times. I mean, obviously we don't want to get stuck there, but I don't know. Does that, Courtney, does that resonate with you? Uh, yeah, 100%. I think that, uh, and probably myself included, uh, sometimes we're not great at acknowledging that I'm having emotions, you know, I like to right. just, like, keep moving. Um, but I think it is really key to stop and say, okay, I, yeah, I see that I feel anxious and to acknowledge that emotion, you know, acknowledging the emotion is actually really important mm-hmm. um, in moving forward. I think trying to deny that you're feeling an emotion is a very dangerous place to be. Um, or on the flip side of just indulging and staying exactly. in that emotion um, can be really dangerous. Um, so I love that. It's such a good reminder. And if you see those flags, you know, like, you know, I keep coming back to your dog, you know, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> it's so embarrassing. <laughs> uh, but I'm sure everybody listening, you know, we've all had probably some red flags over the last week or so um, of, you know, we're just all going through so much right now. And it's none of us have been here before. Um, And that's important to remember. So today we've talked about some ways that you can find the balance between home life and remote work by following these five steps, communicate and cooperate, structure the day for your kids as well as yourself, find your quiet space, Step away from work at the end of the day. And finally, give yourself and your family some grace. Megan, what are your final thoughts today? Well, first of all, you don't have to do this perfectly. You can do it, you know, good enough uh, to make it through this season. You can get the most important things you need to get done at work and at home. But in order to succeed, you don't have to do it perfectly, which is good news because you're probably not going to do it perfectly. Hopefully what we've shared with you today from, you know, our very real life examples encourages you um, that there are some things that you do have control over to make it easier, to make it uh, more effective. Uh, But we're going to get through this and we're going to get through it together best by being kind and gentle and gracious with each other, uh, whether that's our coworkers or our families at home, maybe especially our families at home. Thank you guys for being here, especially our guests from Focus on This, Courtney Baker and Blake Stratton. Thanks for being here, guys. Yeah, thank you. It was really fun. Hey, Blake, you can take that blazer off now. Well, it just feels right now, and I'm I'm about (laughs) ready to go accomplish something great here in this thing. And I want to remind everybody once again to download the Remote Work Handbook, Do's and Don'ts to Set You Up for Success. It's completely free, and you can get your copy right now at lead2.win slash remote. 
Well, as Larry said, uh, Blake and Courtney, thanks for being here. And Larry, we're so glad that you were here. And to all of you joining us today, thank you for being with us. We'll be right back here next week. Until then, lead to win. This episode of Lead to Win is brought to you by The Vision Driven Leader, Michael's new book on why vision matters, especially in times of crisis, and how you can create one that's compelling, clear, practical, and inspiring. Pre-order your copy today at visiondrivenleader.com.